OSU Beavers, Lynn Benton, Roadrunners, and any other new guests, welcome to the Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus and also the community college campus. This is our first episode of fall quarter 2021, and many students are back on campus for many more in-person activities for the first time in over a year and a half, which this is so exciting, but it could also have some unknown challenges as well as some surprising joys as we return to a taste of normalcy. Your hosts today are Anna, Christian, and Nathan, and we are excited to tackle the topic of thriving in your first quarter at college. We hope to give you some tips and helpful thoughts for how to invest in your relationship with God in this new season and how to set yourself up for success, whether you're a freshman or returning student. So buckle up. And let's learn how to survive and thrive in fall quarter. So first off, let's get to know each of our hosts a little bit better. Um, Let's start with you, Nathan. What are three words that you'd use to describe your first fall quarter at college? So I told the other two here present at this table that I had my three words prepared. What I didn't tell them is that they're not going to like them. Oh. And my three words are absent from memory. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so I don't really remember. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't really remember my first year of university. I don't remember my classes or anything like that. But I know myself well enough to um, know that... I probably didn't really, wasn't very, I know I wasn't a very social person back then. I was a very reserved um, individual, and um, it was very difficult. Uh, So my first year was actually at a community college. I was a part-time student at a community college, and um, it was just very, community college, I think, in some ways can be a really difficult place to make friends because, like, at university, there's a higher degree of, like, you're around people, I feel, whereas, you know, there's there's people in your major and you're all like kind of moving from class to class in kind of order and in sync to one another. Whereas in community college, <clears throat> in community college, you I had like this class and I met these people and then I had this class and I met these people and maybe I gelled with some of them maybe I didn't but it was very unlikely I was going to meet them in this the following term and so um that aspect of community college or my college experience was quite difficult I was also really bad at making friends in the first place because I um a little bit about me I I was bullied for most of my life so I just sort of assumed people didn't like me um, and so, yeah, I don't remember it. <laughs> That's, I don't remember. I remember a few of my classes from my time in college and university, but I don't remember what order they happened in at all. Just kind of a blur. It was just kind of a blur. Wow. I didn't go to a Christian fellowship or anything like that. Um, there was actually a guy in the Chi Alpha at Chi Alpha at Whatcom Community College, the college I went to, who actually introduced himself to me in the first term or two, but we never met up after that. His name is Jeff. Mm-hmm. Not Springer. Not Jeff Springer. Mumley. Not the Hefe. Mm-hmm. Not the Hefe. Not the Hefe. Classic. But yeah. Yeah. Absent from memory, mm-hmm. which maybe I'm blocking some trauma. <laughs> who knows? 
Uh, I think for me, one of the words is anxious. Um, so when I was 16, I started community college. So by the time I was 18, I'd finished two years of college. I had that under my belt. And so I think the first word is anxious because when I stepped onto the university campus, I felt like I needed to choose my major right away because I did not want to be in college longer than two years because university is expensive. My parents were paying for my college and I didn't like college. I didn't like school. So I think the second word was like dread that I didn't oh want goodness. to do college. <laughs> I oh really didn't want to study or do any of that. It just kind of felt like an obligation. So maybe dread or obligation is my second word. But the third one was like excited. I don't know what a word for like excited, but like beyond excited. Like I wish there was a word for excited specifically about the interaction with other human beings. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish there was a word for that. Um, I was really... I was homeschooled, grew up homeschooled, and so I was longing for connection with people that were different than me and also people that were similar to me and that had similar experiences so that I knew how to, I could learn how to interact with the different kinds of people, but also feel like I had a connection with people that grew up Christian, grew up in a more sheltered um, environment. So yeah, anxious, dread. And then excitement, I would say. I'm trying to think of a word. Nathan I know, and I are trying to think we're, of a word for that, but we can't quite come up with yeah. one. Which I is can't. interesting. I feel like there should be a there word be for a word someone for who's, I mean, extroverted, but that's yeah. not really pointing out the like joy or the of, excitement for it. For some reason, mm-hmm. cadaddling Cadaddle? comes to mind. Is that I a feel, word? No, I just made it up. Just okay. Cadaddle. I've, I've had a cadaddle. Felt you know, cadaddled. You know, a word that actually just came to mind, Nathan uses this a lot in conversations with people, especially his one-on-one conversations I've noticed, but the word delight. Wait, how many one-on-one conversations have you been in with me? <laughs> <laughs> I think quite a few, yeah. but I've, I've overheard other yeah. conversations with, with people that you've had and you just use, I've, I've heard you use the word delight quite a few mm-hmm. times mm. when you're talking about people. Um, mm-hmm. delighting in someone else so maybe that, that word like delighting in the opportunity yeah. to to see people and be connected and and to be known mm-hmm. in in return yeah that's mm-hmm. super cool that's so fun yeah i think um my my three words they're quite a roller coaster <laughs> my first word would be liberating oh because i am probably one of the most independent persons that you're ever going to meet in your life this is very true like if somebody's like telling me to do something, I'm going to initially be like, we'll see if I'm going to do that or not. Like I just immediately, you know, I mean, I was driving with Nathan one time on the road and I just was like, oh, I'm going the wrong way. And I just, you turned right there, like right where it was. And Nathan was like, I just realized something, Christian. Usually most people like go through life or life happens to most people. That's what <laughs> no, he said. No, no, no. How no. Go? <coughs> Sorry. Excuse me. It's like, uh, life doesn't interrupt you. You interrupt life. Yeah, that's right. I'm just like, I'm gone. I'm like, whatever. So my, um, I'm surprised how many times you reference that, but you can't ever remember. It was one of the coolest compliments I've ever been given. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So anyway, so like, um, but like, uh, you know, for me, I was like, I mean, I was independent in high school, but oh man. My mom's dropping me off. I didn't shed any tears. I gave my mom a hug. I was like, I love you, mom. And I'm so ready to just be on my own. Like, there was no question. I was like, 
this is going to be awesome. Like I just got right after it. I was set up my whole room on my own. I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to be my apartment, you know? And then the next day it was actually, I set up a temporary apartment and then the next day they found a dorm for me. So I had to like tear it all up and then I had to go set it up somewhere else. <laughs> but I didn't care. I was like, that's great. I got my final place. I'm excited. I mean, I was just like really, really independent and just ready to be on my own. The next one I would say is depressed. I would say I was kind of depressed, which sounds a little different for somebody who feels so liberated, but it really had to do with the fact that I was, I followed this girl to Western Washington University where I went to college and, um, we had a really physical relationship and, um, I had like put everything in there. I, I followed her to this college. I really thought like, this is the person I'm going to marry. And, um, but the truth was there wasn't any real foundation of any kind of care, esteem. We just had like a physical thing going and we didn't really know each other. Um, we couldn't talk, like we couldn't carry on a whole conversation. And so like every day I was just thinking about how much I really love this girl, but how much I didn't really love her either. And I didn't feel loved by her. It was very like, I would think of her and I would have these emotions that were both like, like, oh man, she's the best. And also like, I, I can't be with her. I can't stand being with her or mm. I, I'm ner- I'm, I was scared. Cause I was scared. Like, oh, this, I know this can't last and this can't make it. So I just felt really like I was so up and down all over. And I had a lot of non-Christian roommates and people around and they all were like, I don't think this is going to work out. I don't think it's very good for you. Like they were saying these things or you shouldn't feel that way when you're dating somebody. And yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, you guys know what you're talking about. I mean, I moved up here for this. You know, so I, so it was a pretty depressing time. And um, and then that was the first week. And then the second week, she broke up with me, which was very sad initially. But um, in the end, was also liberating. So, um, so then you met Ramona eventually. I did a couple of years later. And then I asked her out. She said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was also not the most. That was also a depressing moment. Um <laughs> But uh, but she did say yes. She figured out what she was missing. So <laughs> Christian always gets the yes. Always get the yes. There we go. <laughs> not always. That's not true. But um, and then the third word I would say was like like a test. I would use the word test and um, or testing. Like I I felt very like like going this independence this new chapter was a big test for me. Like find out who I really am. Like not not like in terms of discovering myself, like as a more like, you know, like I'm also like I'm a wrestler. So like, it's kind of like you go up against somebody to find out what you're made of kind of a thing. Like I was like, this is my opportunity to see what am I really made of? Like, who am I really? Like, am I going to be able to stand up to, and am I going to be strong enough to do the things I want to do? And this is, this is it. This is when I'm going to find out like what I'm made of, what I'm capable of. And there was a real excitement, but also a real like, nervousness like what if I find out I'm not I can't do it or what if I do really bad at school or you know what if what I'm gonna rock it though you know just all these feelings of Mm. how's this gonna go and um so that was those would be my three words liberating depressing and testing whoa yeah sounds like a whole sermon series yeah I have an absolutely opposite I can almost remember like every week of my fall quarter Wow. From like nope. from Nathan, yeah. So it's like interesting. Pretty different. Huh. Yeah, that's it. So it could be like a good thing and a bad thing. To remember or forget or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. 
Maybe it was good for Nathan to forget. He's like, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so also this isn't necessarily in our outline but of questions to talk about, but I was just wondering for you guys really quick if you could answer. Nathan probably doesn't remember. Maybe he remembers. But what role did grades or good grades play in your life going into your college career? Going into or... Going into or like in your college Like my high school career. grades or like just my relationship to grades? Your relationship to grades. Your personal relationship. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I need clarity. <laughs> um, so like there's various phases of my college career. <clears throat> this is pretty important. So there's my community college, time in community college. There's my time in uh, university the first two years. And then there was a two-year hiatus from university, and then there was another two years at university after that. So um, I would say my relationship to grades, I have a very interesting, I, I think I have an odd, not an odd relationship, I think actually a lot of people have this relationship, but I put a lot of value in my performance, and at the same time, it's so stressful that I don't involve myself. At least that was the first two years, three years of university for me. So um, trying really hard, but then like never feeling like I succeeded at the same time. Mm -hmm. Even when I like got an A, I remember, I remember getting an A in, what was it? Communication 220, which was like a required, I think it was 220. Anyway, it's a required course in order to get into the communications program. And I got an A minus or an A or something like that. And I remember just being like depressed. Hmm. I think it was an A minus because it was like, oh, Nathan, you're like half a percent short. Hmm. And like, that was pretty much my relationship with grade. It didn't matter how well I did. Like in isolation from like, I would feel better if other people did worse, but I couldn't feel better on myself, like by myself, if that makes sense. And so that was much of my college career was just this kind of relationship of like, I got to try really hard. I got to try really hard. But one of the things that was really hard for me that I realized actually only after I graduated from college, that there actually was no relational validation of the grade. So I was in my COM220 class, for example, there was 150 students and I'd get an A or B from my professor. And there was no like recognition. Uh, there was no recognition of me as an individual by that professor that gave me the A, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like yeah. I was literally a serial number on, yeah. on his grade sheet. And so it was like, I'm kind of missing this validation. I was missing a validation from like people who um, approved my work. Mm -hmm. When I got into philosophy, my relationship tr changed. I partly developed a lot more self-confidence for various reasons, which was mostly relationally bound up. Mm -hmm. I started being much more self-confident, much more gregarious, which is a little bit closer of a social word, gregarious. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> a little bit closer. It doesn't quite get the delight of wanting or the aspirational aspect, mm -hmm. but it's close. It's anyway, <laughs> um, uh, in reference to what Anna was saying. Anyway, but the... Um, but like coming into my second two years... Uh, 
uh, out of that hiatus, I developed a lot of self-confidence and like a sense of like, oh no, I'm actually good at things and people value my performance and like how well I can do at things. Um, and so I went into the philosophy program. I started philosophy and my relationship was very, very different. And my relationship with the Lord was very different at that point too. So I went in and, um, was very like, oh, like I'm going to make friends and like, whereas I wouldn't have done that before. And so I made a lot of friends in the philosophy program hmm. pretty quickly. And I was just like, Hey, and I got pretty well known by a number of people in the philosophy program and things like that. Not in the sense of like, oh, Nathan's like the cool person. It was just like, no, Nathan's like a friendly guy and kind of thing like that. Um, and uh, a little bit more and a little bit more amiable or um, agreeable person, if that makes sense. So he's like a lot of philosophers are very contentious people. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm in the philosophy prog program, but I'm not a jerk. And the other thing was, was that uh, the classes were smaller. So like the professors very likely and uh, you traveled with like your friends from class to class to class. Mm -hmm. So you were very much like there's 30 people in this class. And then I'm going to take another class with a lot of these same people. Yeah. And then I'm going to go take another class with a lot of these same people. And so you yeah. have this like social validation of like what you're learning. And the professors knew who you were in the philosophy program. Um, which was really great. We had a really good philosophy program. The other more spiritual aspect of it, and I remember this very specifically, I remember being really, really stressed about a metaphysics class, I think it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I gotta, I gotta do well on this, on this exam. And like philosophy exams are really different from a lot of STEM exams. So we are in a philosophy class for your midterm and your final. They're like, hey, buy a blue book, which is, I don't know if any, all of you have used that, but it's like, basically you pop, they're like 20 cents. They're about 20 pages wide. Mm -hmm. And it's a literally a blue little notebook. It's a, yeah. a standard page size and it's about 20 pages. And the idea is, is that you put your name on the front of it and there shouldn't be anything in it before the class starts. So you come with this blue book, you buy this blue book, you sit in your desk, and then the professor's like, here's the subject, write. And you write for like an hour on whatever he wants you to write. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's, it's, I enjoyed it. I, I hate multiple choice questions and all that stuff, but I really enjoyed writing for like 30 to 40 minutes on like causation or something like that. But I remember doing this, I, I sat down, I had my blue book and I was like, Lord, I'm like, I'm like really stressed here. And I'd prepared and stuff like that. And I recognized, I was like, Nathan, you've, you've done your part here. And I was like, Lord, it's going to be okay because you're on the other side of it. I don't know what's going to happen. I might fail, but like, I'm trusting that things are going to be okay in the long term. And I remember feeling a great sense of peace. And so my relationship with grades was no longer as much of an identity statement hmm. in my life. And it wasn't like, yeah. And my relationship with grades was like not about my social status as much. Mm -hmm. As much. As much. I'm not saying it wasn't, but anyway. Yeah, that's cool. So, sorry, that was a little complicated answer no, it's, it's great. per use yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I would say my relationship with grades was I was, I always saw grades as like kind of like the man, you know, like the mm. in quotes, the man, like mm. trying to label people. So my mom was really into him. She's like, if you don't get an A, like then your, your life's a failure. You know, my mom was like really hard and I was kind of going back to the independence question. I was like, yeah, right. I'll get what I want to get. So I just like, I just kind of decided to invest as much in classes that I, as I thought I wanted to. And, uh, like, you know, there are some classes where I knew like, Oh, I have to get this if I want to go on to the next thing. So, I mean, I was pretty typical B student, but I didn't work like particularly hard on a grade unless I really felt like I really wanted to invest in a, in a class. And so I didn't really see grades as like, uh, an assessment of who I was, but I did, I did realize there were points where it would like limit what I could do or what I couldn't do. And so depending on the situation, I would like take it more seriously or less seriously. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I guess, I guess grades never really stressed me out. They really never bothered me. Um, and if anything, I thought of them as like, you know, tools, tools of control. 1984. 1984. Yeah. But you know, but they're they're also helpful. I mean, I guess, I guess they're helpful. You gotta have mm-hmm. them, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. or else you, I mean, it helps you with confidence. You know, well maybe. I mean, you didn't get more confident. You got an A minus, and you weren't any more confident. Well, I actually, as you were saying that, I realized something. Like in middle school, I was being bullied a lot for being smart, but I wasn't being protected by the professors who were like, "No, he is smart." Yeah. But we're not going to protect that. Yeah. So it's like I'm not getting validated from either side of it. Yeah. So it's like I'm like grades are like a search for identity, yeah. but like they're not actually where your identity the truth can is they, have. Your grades don't love you. The truth is your grades don't love your you. Your grades don't love oh you. Oh, my they, gosh. Mic drop. Bam. No, it's like, no, that's a very yeah. real thing. It's like why love something that can't love you back? Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, I want I, everybody, all the students out there to work hard, do great, get yeah. all those great grades. I'm encouraging you, but those grades aren't going to love you. So Amen. There it is. Yeah, anything for me, just I, like I said before, I really didn't, wasn't excited about the academic version part of college. And so I really was like, I can get B's. I heard B's get degrees. Like that was my <laughs> my motto going through my two years. And so I think I could graduate with like a, 3.23. And I was like, you know what? That's good enough. I got my degree. I had a good experience in college overall. I wrote a 22 page paper on Jesus and Islam. Those kinds of things I got to walk away with some really neat projects that I got to work on in my yeah. degree. And I think for me, it wasn't as much about the grades as it was about the experience and the process of learning how to write and learning how to learn. The grades didn't matter as much to me. And I also realized that some of those grades in my major, my major was religion and culture. And so it was a lot of um, writing based, kind of like Nathan's major. A lot of our tests were um, short essays or our grades were based on like 15 page papers on Ayurveda, um, which is traditional Indian medicine, those kinds of things. And some of it was like partially the professor's assumption or judgment of what was good. Yeah. or what was good writing and what was good um, scholarship. And um, they did know their stuff. But I also learned and realized that like part of the grading was a little bit of it was like their opinion or what, how they had been trained. So I was really like, you know what? 
this grade doesn't really define me. Like it's going to get me my degree, but really what, what I'm walking away with is what did I learn from this class? Like subjective. It was kind of subjective and out of right. control. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Especially for my major. Yeah. Um, but it's hard when you have more multiple choice and there is a right answer <laughs> and there is a wrong answer. Um, so I can't speak into that as much, mm-hmm. but neat. Well, let's move on. Um, to a little bit more of a relational question. Uh, And I think this is one of the biggest questions that people coming into college or people coming back into college from COVID year or people coming in and being like, okay, I've been in college for three to four years and I don't know how to make friends. So you guys ready for this question? It's a big one. What is the best way to make a new friend? Punching them in the face. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the toughest person in the room and punch them in the face, and everybody else will like you except that one person. <laughs> no, no, I thought you would say no, that big person would hug you. <laughs> nope. Thank you. Thank you for punching me. No, no, no. I'm I think kidding. someone else would hug don't, you and like tackle you on the ground that. and be please like, don't no. Do that. I'm, I'm totally being facetious. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the Bible says, um, I mean, paraphrasing here in Proverbs, it's like, he who wants friends should be friendly. It's like, yeah. you know, if you want to, if you want a new friend, it's a good idea to like mm-hmm. be a nice person, mm-hmm. you know, to be a friendly, go-getting kind of person, somebody who's like nice and welcoming. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, just to be somebody who is like trying to meet other people, trying to treat people as you want to be treated. Um and I think like that's just a huge key thing, you know. If if you want friends, then go out and and meet new people, sit down at tables with them, you know. Um, your roommate like invite them over to, or you know your roommate you invite them to do fun stuff, or you, the person next door, you know, just having an invitational attitude um, is a great way to make new friends, um, you know, especially at like a casual level, just to be kind and and have a lot of acquaintances. Um, but as you like search all those people, as long as, as, as you grow and as you're kind and like you meet a lot of people, um, trying to find that you're going to find a couple of people that you click more with than other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And those people end up becoming your closer friends, especially where they start to have the same values as you. Um, they maybe share similar hobbies, but like that's where the sweet spot is, is when like, oh yeah, we share the same hobby. This is so fun. And then it's like, whoa, we have actually really similar values. And that's when you start to have friends. And I know so many people like, you know, that come to college that they're like, oh man, I just want to meet more friends. I'm so excited to make some friends. And then they like, don't meet anybody. They just like sit down and they're hoping mm-hmm. somebody will come and sit with them at lunch or they're hoping somebody will invite them to something. Um, but in reality, the best way to make friends is like just to be out there, mm-hmm. to to be kind and, and introduce yourself to other people. And if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna make some friends. Mm-hmm. Kind of going off of that, something as Christian was talking, I realized that, man, how do you put yourself out there? Like, how do you jump out? I, I think one thing is um, when you're walking into this year, maybe make a list of things that you really enjoy doing that I would say is like an interest list. So what are some of my interests? What are some things that really like I really enjoy? 
So some of mine, exa- for example, is like I really enjoy going out to coffee with someone. I really just enjoy going to a new coffee shop. I really enjoy going on nature walks and hikes. Okay, cool. I really enjoy playing guitar, playing instruments yeah. with people, those kinds of things. Okay, and then when I go out, maybe I could find a hiking club or when I go out and I'm trying to meet a friend, maybe I ask into those things, hey, are you interested in, or what do you like, do you like to go on hikes or like inviting them to do things with you that you enjoy doing? And um, that way, I think think one of the sweet spots with meeting a new friend is when you find something in common and then you guys can do that together and you can bond over that. So I know Nathan loves walking and he so he does that with his friends he just goes out and goes on walks and then he has really neat conversation with them um so and christian has an awesome drum teacher and him and his drum teacher have gotten to know each other better and hang out Mm -hmm. just because christian's taking lessons and getting to but christian's also getting to make a new friend um i have a friend um that loves to go on hikes and she has a dog and so we take her dog on hikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it really starts with knowing what you enjoy doing yeah. and trying to find some some mm-hmm. commonalities and inviting your new friend to do those things with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah me and the drum teacher, for instance, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, if I'm taking drum lessons and I probably like music and he hopefully likes music because he's a drum teacher, you know, so mm-hmm. we have that in common. But then, you know, I told him I was a pastor and he's like, oh, man, I'm a Christian. And that. And then we've just spent time talking about our faith, you know, at the beginning of each lesson. And and that, it's like we got this hobby, like you're saying, and then we found a commonality. And now it's like, well, we're like growing closer together. We're becoming more friends all the time. And so mm-hmm. kind of very similar to what you're saying. Yeah. I would say, like, when I think about all the friendships I have had over the years, many of them begin with I, I I most of them I would say if not all of them began with one person like taking a step of initiative of some sort um and then like I like oh gosh I have two examples of this or um two friends um one friend who I talk about all the time, his name is Miles. I do not remember how we became friends, but we're still friends 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring Miles up is because, like, you just never know who's going to be your friend and how long they're going to be your friend for. Yeah. And I know that there was, for Miles and I, there was a lot of, like, intentional communication between the two of us over the course of decades like i mean we've been friends for over 20 years now um my friend benny who's a wonderful guy like i actually remember when i was like this dude's my friend i remember the moment and it was like he ended up coming up to me he was like nathan hey can i talk to you about something he we were in the philosophy department and uh he knew i was a christian he was a christian but we hadn't we'd had some conversations but um had some conversations but he one day was like, hey, can we go for a walk? And we went for a walk and he was like, hey, man, my wife's divorcing me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this guy's my friend. Mm-hmm. And Benny and I and Miles and I, we keep up. 
you know. Um, I think about, like, the friends I made at Cape and Ray. Both parties were like, hey, we're traveling literally sometimes halfway across the world and going into a place that we don't know to live with people we don't know. And both of us were, like, in a place where, like, hey, we're going to connect. And so my point with that is, is that um, I, I would say my observation is, is, like, we're, there's... A, OSU and in college, there's an increasing number of people that are like, hey, I'm afraid to start anything. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of just a universal fear. And my my encouragement is is like have the hope that like, hey, I meet some if I initiate with a few people, I don't know where those relationships are gonna end up. Mm-hmm. Like they might end up being like some of the most important thing people I meet in my life. And my personal life, my friends are actually more influential than any other people I've known in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so it's really, and like, well, Nathan, how do I get rid of the fear, the anxiety? I was like, you don't. You just push against it. That's, I mean, that's courage. Courage, isn't, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the, like, active pressing against the fear. Mm-hmm. Like, acting in a court, or acting in the if fear is like this hurdle or this obstacle courage is like surmounting the obstacle Mm -hmm. despite potential hazard to self and honestly guys i've met a lot of people in my life most of them don't bite me (laughs) i think or punch me my nephews being the only exception (laughs) there you go and they were very small, and they had like little baby fingernails. And didn't hurt them. <laughs> it didn't hurt. Those baby fingernails, though. Oh man, <laughs> gnarly. Um, I'd love to share a little story from when I was in community college. I remember walking into my music theory class. I think it was my first class of like fall quarter when I was 16 at my community college, and I walked in. And I had a relationship with the Lord at this point in my life. And as I walked in, the Lord just highlighted or this one girl that was sitting alone just stood out to me and her name was Karina. So I sat with her and then I sat with her the next class and the next class and we became really close friends. And she was one of my close friends in community college and going into my college years. And I truly believe that in that, I think the Lord blessed me with her and I was a blessing to her as well. And so I think when you have a relationship with God, he can also highlight those friends that um, he might He might have someone in mind for you to meet. So just being mm-hmm. open to that. So interestingly, Benny, mm-hmm. Benny and I actually ha- have different narratives of our friendship, interestingly. So Benny actually was feeling... He's the friend in the philosophy class that told me his fam- his wife is getting a divorce. Before he said that, we'd met each other probably three or four months earlier. And he was like, oh, man, I'm going to go into philosophy. I'm going to like da 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 and all this stuff. And he was like, I am so alone. I have no friends. And he was like, Lord, I need a friend. And so he prays. Hmm. And I guess this was winter term. And we ended up talking about determinism and free will in our class. And he's like, this Nathan guy is pretty cool. And like the Lord was like, this guy's going to be your friend. Whoa. And so three months before that happened. And what the reason I tell this story is that 
three months before he told me that he was going to get a divorce, that his wife was getting him getting a divorce with him or divorcing him, which is when I'm like, that's when we became friends. He was pursuing me as his friend before mm-hmm. that. And so sometimes like we see value in a person. We see a person that's like really cool and very like good. And sometimes you have to like be the one that pursues them mm-hmm. as a friend. Mm-hmm. And, like, I didn't treat, like, granted, if they treat you like garbage, you probably should stop pursuing them as a friend, maybe, possibly. But um, I didn't treat Benny like that, so he kept doing it. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. And then, you know, we became friends, very good friends. So sometimes sometimes it takes a little bit of, like, persistence. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. For it to become mutual. Mm Mm-hmm. So moving on to our next question, I would love us to think for a minute about, uh, for Christian, Nathan, and I, think about something that you needed to hear most when you were a student, an incoming student, specifically a freshman or maybe returning to college as a transfer student with junior status. Or um, So what, what are some truths that we can hold on to as we begin the start of this fall quarter? Yeah, I think the two that come to my mind the most um, are just first, um, you know, being, you know, at college, everything goes so fast, especially at our schools, you know, they're quarter schools and you only have 10 weeks in a class. Um, I think cultivating patience is very hard. And um, I think a lot of times we can feel discouraged about our own growth or how we're doing. Um, but I wish, like, or even, like, where am I going to go with my life? Like, how are things? Just, just having a sense of, like, it's okay. Like, I've got time. Actually, four years is actually quite a long time. Even if it's, like, I'm only here for two years. Actually, that's a good amount of time. Like, I mean, it's going to go, for sure, it's going to go fast. But two years is not nothing, you know, and and if we just have a patient attitude, like I think a lot of times we can work ourselves up, like what's going to happen, but just trying to be patient. I trying to have a patient, like, like temperament as you go through college, instead of being like worked up and being like, it's just going to make your college time a lot more enjoyable. And also, you know, it's like kind of one of those things, like the more anxious you are and the more worked up you are, the less you're going to be able to see your opportunities or who you could be. But by having a patient attitude, you're going to be able to grow more. You're going to be able to see your opportunities more. Um, that's one thing I wish would have been true for me if somebody would have told me that. Or if I would have believed it, maybe people did tell me, you know. Um, but on the other side, I, I also just think, like, I, I think, you know, kind of going towards what Anna said about grades a little bit was just really not seeing the grades is the only thing you're pursuing in college, but this is about developing who you are. This is about mm-hmm. really developing your character. And, um, and it's, it's really one of the primary times where we're going to develop our faith. So, you know, like how much you invest, you know, things actually are going to get busier after college. Yeah. People have the perception they're going to get easier when you're, when you're out, but it actually gets way more stressful. It gets crazier. And so if you don't build time in your life right now for the Lord, it's going to be hard for you to ever do that. And so I think, you know, really trying to cultivate your faith and trying to um, work
work on your walk with Jesus and, and just pouring in your devotional time. I think those are, that's another key thing that I think would be good to know. That's one thing I wish I would have known. I think um, in similar, a similar thought to what Christian said, you know, like that grades are not the end all be all. Like for me, what the result of that would have been was like, why am I spending so much time on this then? You know, like, I think that would have been the result of that. Why am I worrying about this so much? And um, grades are really impact a very small chunk of your life when you think about it. I think one of the big revelations I had um, in my, my, when I was in the philosophy course, I was like, I became much more confident. I was like, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be able to provide for myself. So I don't need to worry so much about the result of like as much, as much about the result of like my grades and things like that. I need to work at it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't need to like, I can go to bed and not have to obsess. Hmm. I can have... I can finish my project and allow like the grade to happen and trust that the Lord is going to give me a job when I graduate. And I think there's a culture or a mindset that is like, if I don't do well in college, if I don't get all A's, I'm going to like, you know, live in a cardboard box. It's like, no, you're not going to live in a cardboard box. Probably like, um, if you're like, Act, if you're consistently doing it and you're like, hey, yeah, I put effort into it, then like you're probably going to get a job at the end of it. Mm-hmm. it. And it may not be the job that you wanted or you had a specific image for. That's most people I, I actually would say the experience is, is like they graduated even with good grades and they often don't get the, go- the, the, the job that they were hoping for because it's too specific. Like very few people get those that job. Um, and so like, what, what does that mean? It's like, Hey, maybe I shouldn't, if I, what we obsess over, what we fixate on teaches us a lot. And it also teaches us to neglect things that are really important. One thing that Christian and I and uh, Cassie talked about last year is like developing our character. Um, I found school taught me to be anxious and taught me to be afraid of like not doing perfect at things and it made me obsessive because that was the structure of that community and the thing is is like i was like but you know what it didn't teach me which is was um which the lord tells us is important is like no but i want you to actually learn gentleness i want you to learn patience i want you to learn kindness i want you to learn like how to see the things that I've given you rather than the things you're trying to earn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, but this, the education system was hyper like, no, like what can you earn? Like you have to go for like what you want and you don't deserve anything. And it's like, no. And God has similar attitudes. It's like, you don't deserve anything, but I'm just going to be gracious and I'm going to be kind to you anyway. And so, but because of that hyper, hyper fixation that hyper obsessiveness that like you have to work harder you have to put more time in you have to do this you have to do that you end up forgetting like 
well, no, God who made everything wants other things. I think what you're talking about, like, just to clarify, because I think some people will be like, dang, are these pastors, like, lazy? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> oh, and I think, I think, just to clarify a little bit, I think you're talking about, Nathan, is just, like, the difference between, like, valuing learning and valuing grades. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I think all of us are like, we think like learning is just a great thing. And it's like, if we focus on learning and what we need to learn and we we work hard at, at the things we're supposed to learn throughout our college time, that's going to be of great benefit to you, like mm-hmm. now, beyond, um, in your job. But so many people, you know, just cram for a test, cram for a grade, and then they feel like a failure if they don't get that A and they got an A minus, you know, they're stressing out about this percentage um, when really you should be focusing on, are you learning the thing? And, you know, if you really invest the time to learn the material, you're going to do just fine in a class. But but there's a difference of like what you're chasing in terms of an emphasis. Like, am I running after this this merit badge? Am I running after this letter? Mm-hmm. Versus, am I running after understanding this content? And if you do that one, if you learn this stuff, you're gonna get a great grade. But you, all of a sudden, you're not just chasing somebody else's subjective opinion. You're not just like running after a letter. It's it's just you're gonna have a lot more self-esteem in the end. It's just, is that is that kind of a lot of what you're talking about to you? I mean, I think it's I think the thing I'm highlighting is like, yeah, it's like valuing learning and trusting that the Lord is going to give you the capacity to learn what you need to learn. Yeah. Because he's gifted you with certain things. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like one thing I notice in myself and I've seen in a lot of my students is like there's, they can become so focused on learning this one thing that they neglect to learn other things that God has deemed arguably more important, are more important. Like learning, like, how do I hear his spirit? How do I develop a character that's Christ-like character? And I would say, I know a lot of students that, the, the students that are too focused on work Oftentimes, they can't talk to people. They don't know how to have a social conversation, and they tend to be very militant about, like, most of the people in my philosophy courses, they're just like, well, no, that's not logical. It's like, dude, like, you realize we're talking about the most, like, abstract, non-consequential thing right now. We're talking about, like, oh, gosh, simplons and myriology and it's like, well, and I'm like, when you really think about it, this has nothing to do with anything we're actually going to do in life yeah. that's meaningful. Hmm. Whether or not things are made of stuffs or things does not make any difference. <laughs> and it's like, but like, notice it's like, well, Nathan, you're not doing this right. I was like, you know, you kind of forgot to be kind in this conversation. You forgot to be gentle and you forgot like, Maybe that I matter in this conversation more than logic that can't love me or care for me. Hmm. Like that's one thing that I try to, I try to remember. It's like, sometimes I can get so fixated on something. It was like, you know what I've forgotten though? I've forgotten to be patient, forgotten to be gentle. I've forgotten to be kind. And that's That will shape like my relationships, which is mostly what life is about in the end. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, I think with that, I think one of the most important things I need to he- needed to hear as an incoming student is that valuing, valuing um, managing my time well was actually a loving thing for both myself and the people around me. And it made it so that if I carved out time for what Nathan was talking about, cultivating kindness and patience and gentleness with those around me, that involved carving out time and having good time management for myself and for my studies and for my relationship with the Lord. And honestly, through my college years, I didn't do a good job of it. And I think I would have been a lot more a much better friend, a much better Corfa, um, that's our small group leaders, I would have been a much better student if I had just known that I could carve out time for those things um, that w- that are important and more important than getting that perfect grade. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so when we think about all of us were Christians, if we were following Jesus or doing our best, I guess, as we were coming into college. Um, and so what advice do you have uh, for us and for our listeners regarding building a relationship with God amidst the busyness and transition of full quarter? I think for me, one of the most important things I had my freshman year was I had a student leader named Emily that was my small group leader, and I did one-on-ones with her. Um, So I got to meet with her every week. Um, Often, though, I would forget, and she'd be there waiting for me. She had something planned, and I just Mm -hmm. wouldn't show up. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That was how I lived a lot of my life, my freshman years. I didn't know how to keep a calendar and remember everything. Um, And so, but the times that I did show up and I was thoughtful (laughs) and um, showed up and and sat across the table from her at a coffee shop, um, we just had the best time. And those are the times I grew the most. And so um, for me... And I think for a lot of people out there that are deep feelers or need um, some need a place to verbally process um, and a place to ask questions and learn, I think one of the best places you can do that is in a one-on-one setting with um, an older sibling or a sibling in the faith. Mm-hmm. So a, uh, if you're a guy, like a brother in the faith, a girl, a gal um, uh, that knows Jesus, and um, I found that those times with her were the most shaping mm-hmm. more than the times, for me, more than the times in core, more than the times in my fellowship experience. Those were the times that really uh, helped grow my faith. And I think I came in to college, honestly, with a lot of doubts that God was real. Mm-hmm. And she, even though I didn't ask a lot of those questions, there was still an opportunity for me to do that. Um, I wish I would have taken more of those opportunities to ask those hard questions and for her to be like, 
maybe have the opportunity for her to be like, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to walk through it with you. Um, and she just did a fantastic job doing that. So I think yeah. that's that's my advice to Christian um, guys and gals coming in is find someone um, or ask someone to walk through your faith with you so that you're not doing it alone and find that sibling in the faith that will be with you through your hard questions. I think um, the thought that comes to mind is like when we enter university life, we, we actually pay the university for their authority. Um, so like your professor um, in your class is an authority in their field. And the part of their job is to use their authority to create structures for you and to teach you how to um, become yeah. something. And we pay them for that. Um, and w why is that important when we think about, well, like, when we put someone in a position of authority over us, we really, as Christians, we need to be very attentive to that. It's like, hey, I'm I'm giving this person authority over my life, but we have to be mindful of like, have I allowed that authority greater authority than the Lord's? Mm, that's good. And one of the things that I think is really beautiful about the Lord, He's like, I offer my authority to you freely, and it's invitational, mm -hmm. and I'm never going to do anything that you haven't asked to participate in. Mm. If that makes sense. I, there's a lot of freedom that the Lord gives us. Mm -hmm. what, and I think the reason he wants that is because he's like, uh, because he wants friendship. He doesn't want uh, slaves. He doesn't want, mm -hmm. he wants fellowship. He wants fellowship. He wants relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants a father-son relationship, a positive father-son relationship, you know. Um, and so, like, it's like. And that's something that's just good to pay attention to in life. You're going to get a job and you are like saying, hey, this job has authority on my life. I, I am under other people who tell me what to do and how to conduct my life. Mm -hmm. um, have I allowed their authority to be greater than the Lord's mm -hmm. authority? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's just something to be... Mindful of because who you allow to be the authority in your life will teach you things mm -hmm. and if you um, Displace the Lord's authority with theirs You become something else and the and the Lord Jesus he wants us to become something Yeah, but he knows that the only way to become the thing that he wants us to be is through like loving um, Loving relationship, loving submission, loving obedience, uh, uh, an act of generosity in response to his generous act of generosity. You know, he, he, he generously offers his kindness and his, 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 his faithfulness and his authority and his teaching, you know, the disciples called him rabbi, yeah. teacher. He offered it freely, though. He didn't charge the disciples or anybody that followed him anything. But out of his generosity, people responded with generosity. Yeah. The disciples gave their lives for Jesus because they saw Jesus being generous with his own life. Yeah. And he asks for that. 
Whereas the school, like, and I'm not trying to disparage the school or anything like that, but the school is like, well, no, you pay us for this. And that's it. And we, we only guarantee a little bit like Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, and yeah. So, so like paying attention is like how much authority have I given my professors? How much authority have I given this university? You know, and it's a really strong temptation, I think, too, because it's like, hey, I paid this school $20,000, yeah, right. you know, for the first year, for the first year. <laughs> yeah. And like there's this temptation. It's like and Jesus says, well, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And he's like, well, no, like treasure me so that your heart is with me. Yeah. And he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek my seek me first and then everything else will be added unto you. Other things will add, be added unto you. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think those two things are, like, really, really important. Like, measuring how much authority you give a school. Like, how much you, like, like making sure you're keeping God, essentially, as your main authority in your life. Like, making mm-hmm. sure he's the foundation and making sure that, you know, you're you, a person's able to stay focused on, like, his call and his words to you. And um, I think that's hugely important. And I think, I even think in some ways, honest thing is, like, the most important, just, like, really investing in a Christian community, trying to find a brother or sister that you can walk with, or even like a small group of people. Like, I just think that's where you're real. That's where life is really going to be found is like living with in Christ in a community is key. The thing I'm going to share is, I don't know if it's as important as those things, but it's just like a good supplemental thing. But it was really formational for me was just the idea that like, not to be afraid to to show you're a Christian. Hmm. And, you know, there are times in class where things will come up or conversations. Um, and I found that those were some of the most impactful moments of my life is when I chose to speak instead of say silent hmm. and not, and I'm not talking about being contentious. I'm not, this isn't God's not dead here. Okay. Hmm. I'm just saying like, you know, when, you know, when you have the opportunity to identify yourself, because you don't know what kind of positive impact that's going to have, you know. So, you know, for instance, like I was in a history class one time and they were just talking about like indentured servitude with seven years. And somebody asked, why was it seven years? Like, why, why was it that long? Why, why not like 20 years or whatever? And the professor said, you know, I have no idea. And I raised my hand. And he's like, you know, I have, I have an idea. I don't know if this is true or not. But, you know, you know, ancient, you know, that England was... Was, they said they were a Christian nation, and in the Old Testament, that was the rule. The rule was if a person decided to sell themselves into slavery, they could only sell themselves into slavery for seven years. So that might be where that comes from, you know? And the professor looked at me and he said, whoa, I'll have to look into that. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. That's uh-huh. very helpful. And it's like, and it was positive. And what, another thing that happened was other Christians in the class mm-hmm. saw I was a Christian, People who weren't Christians saw I was a Christian, and they saw that I wasn't being mean, or mm-hmm. I was. I, it wasn't a contentious thing. It was just a moment to express something. I was a literature major, so mm-hmm. in this class, in the, right now on this podcast, we have like only, you know, liberal arts literature. people. You know, like we have philosophy, <laughs> literature, and religious studies. You know, but you know, you have you're all the time. You're talking about faith, or you're talking. So you have to self-identify at some level. You have to say, "Well, I'm a Christian, and this is how I'm reading this," or "This is." This is a thought that comes to mind. Um, but eventually one thing that happened was like I was in a science class one time and I just 
raised my hand and I asked questions and and um, I, I think one of the classes I I you know I, I raised a like ethical question that signaled that I was a Christian or something and you know I had somebody come up to me later and say like whoa you know like I noticed you were a Christian in that class and you were very kind and nice and you're fun and stuff and then I saw you know I came to a worship night and there you were and I realized whoa this person is like like the same everywhere you know and so Mm -hmm. you just don't know what like you not being afraid of owning your your faith can Mm -hmm. do for somebody else or even the confidence it can give to you Mm -hmm. um and i just find that you know by me choosing to identify myself by me choosing to take those moments where i felt led by the lord to to share a perspective about my faith again not not always contentious not always argumentative but just oh, I think the Lord's saying I should ask this question or I should say this thing. Man, it can be really liberating for you, really empowering. And it could also mean a lot for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just echo that. Like that same thing happened to me in a philosophy class I had in community college where I like spoke up about something. And like, I don't remember what happened, but me and the professor didn't get along after that, basically. Oh, wow. And like... The, and he was he was very very atheistic and stuff like that. But there was a Christian. She was in the class. She came up to me and she's like, "I'm thankful that you're doing that. I don't know how you can stand up for it." Yeah. And it's like, and sometimes it's really positive where it has this positive outcome. But sometimes it's like, no, we we stand up. Yeah. And we have to be okay with standing up, and it's going to make us stronger because. Mm-hmm. We have to be strong for the Lord to represent Him yeah. in opposition and in in um, welcoming. Yeah, even in the even in the even, even in, the in the trial, even in the trial yeah. or the hardship, mm-hmm. it actually has a positive benefit, even mm-hmm. if it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have for today, y'all. Thanks for joining us, and know that we, as your Kyle pastors and small group leaders, we are so committed to helping you through this roller coaster fall quarter. So go ahead and unbuckle your seatbelts now and step out to see what God has in store for you this quarter. And if you have any questions or topic ideas, feel free to email me at Anna at OregonStateXA.com. And we'll see you around campus. Remember, take this time in college to delight in learning.